who had her arm bitten off by a shark just below the shoulder. And in that scene, she was facing the possibility of never being able to compete again. She learned that she was unable to, to take her surfboard and push it down and dive beneath the, the wave so that she could actually get out to where the bigger waves were instead of just being pushed back to shore. And it was a struggle for her, and she was at that point wondering, why me? Why would this happen? And like so many of us, when we, face, when we are faced with uncertainty or struggles, when we face bad news, when we are tempted to ask, why me? We are tempted to question God's power. Couldn't he have stopped this? Couldn't he have kept this from happening, whatever this is in your life? Or we question his character, we question his goodness. Why would he allow it? If he's a good God, if he loves me and I love him, why would he allow this to happen? We are human. And by definition, that means we are less than God. We have a sin nature within us. We are susceptible to wrong actions. We are susceptible to wrong thinking. And I believe that we never think more wrongly than when we face uncertain circumstances. We're very much like the recipients of the letter that the Apostle Peter wrote. And this morning I want to encourage you uh, to first take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you're using a pew Bible, it's on page 850. But this morning I want to encourage you. Some of you are suffering. Probably more are suffering than I know are suffering. Some of you have been suffering for a long time, maybe weeks or months, or you've been dragging something along with you for years, some hurt, some pain, maybe it's health related, maybe it's just circumstances, maybe you have suffered incredible loss. I want you to listen to what Peter says to those that he wrote this letter, because there is hope in his words. First Peter chapter 1, I'll begin with verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and sprinkling by His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you. You who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, in all of this, this salvation, in this salvation, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief 
in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with, it, with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. While Peter's re- recipients, those that he wrote to, and us, I, I want us to understand that, that even though he wrote this letter to the strangers, the elect in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, he wrote it to us. We could easily say, and to those in Butler, to the elect, to the strangers in Butler, those celebrating the new birth, those celebrating the salvation that is theirs through Christ, celebrating the incredible glory of of sharing in, in Christ's resurrection. In this we greatly rejoice and with reason. There is no better news you have ever received than that Jesus has died for your sins and wants to have a relationship with you. There is nothing better to the ears than that. We celebrate the hope of heaven, the inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade in any way. Peter wants them to understand that even in the midst of the greatness of knowing Jesus, you will face problems. You will have trials. There will be suffering that will come from time to time. In fact, suffering along with deep love for one another is a theme of this letter. That throughout each each chapter talks about having a deep love for one another. We talked about that yesterday in the intentional relationship seminar for those that were there. And and we kind of just walked through 1 Peter. and And each chapter he talks about loving one another deeply. And he also talks about you will suffer deeply. And I think the two balance each other out. That I don't have to suffer alone. That those that also share and rejoice in this great salvation and this inheritance that will never fade, spoil, or or, or go away, will never perish, will come alongside and suffer with me in those times. And Peter says there will be those times. You will suffer. Don't be shocked when it happens. But somewhere along the way, in our goodness of life, in our joys of life. We have forgotten that suffering is a real part of our life. We have forgotten that that suffering and bad things are going to happen. Jesus said expect it. Peter says expect it. Paul says expect it. Everyone has told us to expect it, yet we don't ever expect it. I want to tell you this morning, expect it. I want to join in that list of Jesus, Peter, and Paul. Not that I'm worthy to stand in that list. But I want to remind you this morning to expect it. It may seem unfair at the time. As Bethany questioned why. 
Why would God allow this to happen? What am I supposed to do now? What do I do with this? This morning, I want us to to gain a, a little bit of a biblical understanding of suffering. Because I think sometimes we think about it wrong. And there is no way one sermon can cover this, which is why we've, I, I've asked uh, Bill Gressley if he would begin all summer to research out the biblical understanding, the biblical view of suffering. And Bill began researching it out, and he's put together a class that's just going to walk through what the Bible says about suffering, and we're going to start that in two weeks. And so I want to encourage you that, that, to, to be a part of that class, because there's no way that my sermon this week and, and John Stumbo's sermon or, or story next week is going to cover it all. But we need to have a theology of suffering. And over the past half century or so, I think the church has steered away from a theology of suffering. We've kind of buried the idea of suffering. We don't like the idea of suffering. It doesn't really draw a crowd when you talk about suffering. Nobody wants to hear that. Some have gone so far as to preach a health and wealth gospel that if you follow Christ, nothing bad will ever happen to you. Well, folks, that's not realistic. It's definitely not biblical, but if you just think about it for a while, it's not even realistic. Peter wants his readers to know, he wants you to know that you will face trials. There are three important questions that we have to answer this morning with this whole idea of suffering. One question is, what kind of trials will we face? What can I be expecting to come my way? The second question is, then what is the purpose of these trials? If we're to expect them and they're to come and and God is allowing them, then apparently there's a purpose behind it because God does everything with a purpose. And the third question is, okay, trials are going to come. I'm going to expect them. I understand there's a purpose what is my response? Instead of asking, why me? Because that's really not the proper response. It's a human response, but it's not the proper response. What should my response be when all kinds of trials come my way? So let's take the first question. What kind of trials will we face? Well, Peter's not real good at answering that question because he's not real specific. Peter just says you are going to face all kinds of trials. That doesn't really answer my question. Not enough. And so I I began looking, and I can find three general types. And I'm not going to be a whole lot more specific than Peter. I can find three general types of suffering, types of struggles, types of of trials that that we can expect to face. And the first one is we're going to suffer consequences of bad choices. Okay? Sin has a natural outcome. When we sin, when we choose to be disobedient to God, we can expect consequences. We can expect bad things to happen. They may not come right away, but eventually your sin will catch up with you. Even for the believer, your sin will catch up with you. We we a lot of times can get comfortable in our bad choice get comfortable in our sin. And we can say, you know what? That that really wasn't that bad. I didn't really feel a consequence in that. It's coming. Know that it is coming. Expect it. 
understand, too, that that I'm referring to the suffering because of a consequence of bad choices and that sin has its own suffering. We can't say, why is this happening to me? It's because you disobeyed God. That's why. Why am I struggling in this relationship? Because it's a sin-based relationship. Why am I having trouble with with, uh, whatever it is? Again, I, I can't be that specific. There's too many choices in here. There's too many different ways to sin. But if we're having struggles and it's because of a bad choice, understand that's normal. Sometimes that's God's way of showing you. You need to change your mind. God gives us 1 John 1, 9, 8 and 9, that if, if we sin, if we confess that sin, he is faithful and just, he is good, he is perfect, and he will cleanse us from that sin, and we can start over. Now, there still may be natural consequences. The natural consequences of sin doesn't always go away. You may still have to pay the fine. You may still have to do the time. You may still have to heal. You may still have to go and seek restitution. But we can know that we are right with God. That's number one, just bad choices, sin. Number two is that we may have to suffer for being a Christian. We may have to suffer because we take a stand for biblical values. We may have to suffer because we take a stand for what is right. Now, In the United States, we haven't had to suffer much for that, like they do in other parts of the world. In other parts of the world, people are killed when they take a stand. People are ostracized by their family. They're considered dead. They're treated as if they died when they take a stand. It is very difficult for for other in other parts of the world for people to leave uh, their, their fathers and their mothers' faith. I'm thinking of Muslims. It's very tough for a Muslim to come to know Christ because they know the consequences that's going to have. They know that they're going to be ostracized by their family. They know that they're going to be kicked out. They know that in many cases they will be beaten by family members back into submission. We don't face that here. We don't really understand what persecution for faith is. I'm not saying we won't. I'm just saying we haven't yet. But Peter warns us. There will be days coming. When you will understand persecution, when you will understand the the pain and the struggle of being a believer. Of going against the grain of standing up for your beliefs and your values. Peter says in chapter three of this letter Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You see, there's going to come a time where we always say, we've used that verse, I've used that verse, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope. I've used that as a positive thing, as an encouraging thing, that people are going to just see your good, your good works and they're going to see the way you live and they're going to ask you, man, how do you, just, how do you seem to just shine in, in difficult situations? Peter's also referring to it as they're going to beat you for it. Peter's referring to this as, as you've got to understand that they're going to slander you. They're going to speak maliciously because of the hope that you have and the hope that you exhibit. 
And you've got to be ready to give an answer for that hope in the midst of the slander and the accusation and the struggle and the suffering. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. You see, there is suffering for doing evil. There's just natural consequences of evil. But there may come a time when there is a natural consequence for doing good. Be ready. Because we live in a fallen, sinful world. People may look down on you for your beliefs. We may have to suffer. The early church understood this as a reality far more than we do. Many of them had friends who were put to death because they followed Christ. Flip over to 1 Peter chapter 4, just a couple pages maybe in, in your Bible. Verse 16, Peter writes, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, that will, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. You will suffer for doing good. Do not lose heart. Continue to do good. The third way, the third trial that we may have to suffer is we may have to suffer just from bad circumstances. That's just life. And I don't want to belittle any of it, but but there is just life circumstances. As I said, we, we live in a fallen world. And there's just going to be bad things that happen. And we're not exempt from them because we follow Christ. Okay? We're going to lose jobs. We're going to suffer the death of a loved one. We're going to have house or car repairs pile in all at once. We're going to have financial woes. We're not going to know where the next meal comes from. We're going to struggle with our kids. Our kids are going to struggle. We're going to feel for them. We're going to feel the pain. That's just part of life. And, and this is no fault of our own. It's that we live in a fallen world. Expect it. This is the suffering that, that many times, though, we have the hardest time with. The one that is of no fault of our own that just comes along with life. This is when we ask, why me? Because it, can be traced, it can't be traced back to a consequence of sin. It's not anything I've done. I can't look back and say, yeah, if I hadn't made that really stupid choice, if I hadn't done that thing that was disobedient to God, if I hadn't gone, we can't look back and identify that. It's just life happening. And life is just difficult sometimes. And so we find ourselves asking, why me? Why now? This doesn't seem fair. But Peter gives us hope. Because Peter says here that suffering does have a purpose. Even suffering for sin has a purpose, and that purpose is to bring us back to God. If we could get away with sin, we would all do it. Because that's our natural instinct. If, if we didn't ever have to suffer for taking a stand, we would probably still never take a stand. We never had to, if we never had to face suffering and life just went on, we would never understand the whole purpose of God for us. Because the second question we want to answer is, what is the purpose? And Peter very plainly tells us 
in, in verse 7, chapter 1, verse 7, he says, These have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We suffer. God allows suffering, whether it's bad choices, persecution, or, or just life circumstances. God allows those things to come into our life to prove our faith. And this is a good thing. It allows us to show that our faith is genuine. And it allows God to strengthen our faith. That word refined is the idea of strengthening a metal. The refiner's fire. To burn off the impurities. And so sometimes we have to face the fire. We have to face the trial. We have to face the struggle in order to have the impurities burned off so that our faith is strong. Why do we need a stronger faith? Because there's another trial coming down the road. And we've got to be stronger to face that one. And because there's another one after that, and we've got to be stronger to face that one. But there is a time when Jesus will be revealed, and all of that strengthening, all of that uh, trials, all of that refining is going to be revealed in gloriousness. That's the hope we have. And so the struggles that we face are purposeful in preparing us for life. They enable us to grow in our faith. That if we're to be transformed by faith, if we're to understand that while there is an an instant transformation from unbeliever to believer, from enemy of God to friend of God, from no faith to faith, there is also a process of growing. We call it growing in wisdom. Transformed by faith, growing in wisdom. And it is those struggles that enable us to grow. God gives us the faith to believe. And we will grow in that faith. And sometimes it takes adversity to strengthen that. You know, there's there's really no strength. There's no building up without resistance. You know, the prime example is weightlifters. People who work out, people who want to tone their muscles, grow their muscles. I don't have that desire. You can all tell that's obvious to you. But if there is no resistance, if there is no struggle, if there is no pain, there is no growth of the muscle. In fact, if the muscle is not used, it will begin to deteriorate. If faith is not used, it will begin to deteriorate. It will begin to weaken. And so we need trials in our life. We need struggles. We need uh, disappointments in order to, to bolster our faith, in order to grow our faith. We can't build our faith without trials, struggles, and disappointments. Peter says rejoice in that. That God is wanting to build your faith. Peter says, understand, it's not all mountaintop, pie in the sky, on top of the world emotions. The Christian life is lived out in a fallen world. As Paul told the Ephesian believers, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. They're coming. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Prepare for it. Get ready for it. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything 
to remain standing. To walk into the trial standing. To go through the trial, to go through the struggle, to face the uncertain circumstances and to come out the other side standing. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. Paul wrote the Roman church, he said, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, since we have this incredible inheritance, we've been made right with God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, and it's hope that we're after. And the only way to, to gain the hope is to go through the trial. Peter says, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This verse summarizes the whole letter. If you suffer because of God's will, not because of sin, but if you suffer because of God's will, because of what he's allowed to come into your life, then continue to do good. Continue to live out that faith. God's going to use it. He has a purpose in it. Commit yourself to God. That is faith. Jesus warned us in this world you're going to have trouble, but I've overcome the world. Faith does not exclude us from trouble. Faith brings us into a relationship with the one that sustains us through trouble and enables us to stand. Will you trust God in the midst to work all things together for good? Will you trust him? That's a faith question. And I can trust him for this, but now this is, can you trust him in this? Can you trust him in this? Can you trust him in this? And each time we say yes, and each time we continue to do good, and each time we continue to be faithful, and we continue to trust, our faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Our suffering increases our faith. And it is a powerful witness to a world that has no answer for struggles and bad circumstances. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. They see how you just continually stand. We have hope in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the suffering. We serve a, a loving God who desires the best. And we, we have to understand that the best can sometimes only be achieved by passing through the struggle. Folks, there's joy on the other side. There is immeasurable joy on the other side. And there is a peace that passes all understanding while you're going through it. Faith enables you to realize the peace and the joy. Peter is saying that if you face suffering, it will only be in proportion for what is necessary to accomplish God's purpose. God's not going to give you more than you can handle. God is not going to have you suffer more than is necessary to accomplish his purpose in you and through you. It may feel like a very heavy load. But Jesus says, I'm going to send one, the Holy Spirit, who's going to come and lighten that load. Have faith. Have faith that we're traveling this together. Have faith that there are other believers who deeply love you, who want to come alongside and assist and help. Allow them to help. 
You can't do it alone. You weren't designed to. Peter spoke that suffering is not the normal action of God. This is not God's normal action. He uses it merely to punish the wicked or strengthen the believer. And we may have to wait until Christ's return to understand the full purpose of why we just went through what we just went through. I consider, Paul says, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What is yet to come is so much better than whatever right now is, is bad. Understand that. That there is a joy on the other side. There is a glory on the other side. And so what is my response? If there is a purpose behind it, then I, I probably should have a right response to this. Our response then is one of faith. That even without determining the purpose, we are persuaded that this is the way it ought to be because it is God's will. I don't understand it. I don't know why God did this. I don't know why God allowed this. But I know that God is good. And I know that He will see me through. And I know that He will strengthen me through the process. So I will walk faithfully. I will continue to do good. I will continue to live life. God is sovereign and he is good and he is all powerful. So Peter says rejoice. Paul says rejoice in our suffering. Not unlike we rejoice in our salvation. With great rejoicing in our salvation, we ought to have great rejoicing in our suffering. And you say that's not humanly possible. You're right, it's not. But it is faithfully possible. It is Holy Spirit possible to allow him to rise us above, to raise us up, to strengthen our faith. Our response is that this suffering, while only temporary, does fit into God's plan somehow. That God has not allowed any suffering without cause. Even if we don't see the purpose, even if we can't figure it out. And sometimes what we need to do when we're facing it is we need to step back. We need to, one, rejoice. We need to, two, step back and look at the big picture. Because a lot of times when we have struggling, our view becomes about like this. We only see ourselves. We only see the struggle. We only see about six inches in front of us. And then when we only see that far, we can only see the struggle, and then it begins to overwhelm us. And we need to step back. We need to remember who God is and that He's bigger than this. He's more powerful than this. He is more overwhelming than this. We need to live in the reality of God being sovereign in our life and that He works all things together for good. Understand that the struggle that you have the, the bad news that you've received is not the worst news you have ever received. And you say, wait a minute. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it's not. Because at some point you heard that you were a sinner separated from God and destined to hell, and there is nothing worse than hearing that. And yet faith got you through that. Faith in the same God 
who will deliver you through this. I placed my God, my faith in God as my Savior, and I received the best news ever. And so the same faith in the same God that saves me from my own sin and destiny to hell will sustain me through any suffering I have now. Bethany Hamilton accepted the struggle before her. And she fought back. And she found a way to compete again. And she became a champion surfer once again. And when she was asked by a reporter if she wished she could go back and not have surfed the day the shark bit her arm off, she responded with, no. This struggle has allowed me to touch so many lives that I would not otherwise have been able to touch. Your struggle is going to enable you to do things that you would never have otherwise been able to do. Next week, John Stumbo is coming to give you a real-life, upfront story of struggle. Let's listen to John. That I am able to stand and I am able to dance and I am able to sing and I am able to overcome. If you need help this morning, we want to offer a time that as Justin and the team leads us, you just come and you pray and you give it. You ask for that faith. You, you ask for the ability to step back. And you can leave here today beginning to rejoice, beginning to overcome.